From the world-famous city of New Orleans, it's the Black and Blue Report. Starring Sean Kelly, producer Dan, D-Dub in the Black and Blue Orchestra, and the Benchwarmers. Today's special guests include the New Orleans Saints, the New Orleans Pelicans, and whoever else we could get to stop by. Online and worldwide, it's the Black and Blue Report. Live, sort of, from Studio B, here's Sean Kelly. Happy weekend to you, and welcome to another edition of the best of the Black and Blue Report. We just find the best stuff for this past week, not anything past a week's time <laughs> that keeps us all straight. Hope you have a great weekend. We hope that you enjoyed the shows this week. If you missed some of these great interviews that we did, they're here for you now, encapsulated in this weekend edition. And uh, we covered quite a few things over the uh, over the last five days. We talked college football. We talked NBA basketball. We talked music. We talked food. We talked to national guys, local guys. We kind of ran the gamut. And so today, here on this weekend edition of the Best of the Black and Blue Report, we'll get you a sampling of what we had to offer for you this past week. LSU football is in action, of course, this weekend against Kent State. And uh, there was also some off-the-field news this week concerning LSU head coach Les Miles. So, of course, we checked in with our LSU correspondent, Les East. He'll be on this edition of the Best of the Black and Blue Report. We'll head over to Tampa and... uh, Visit with Ira Kaufman. His visit was on Friday. And uh, Thomas Morstead stopped by on Thursday. We'll talk to the Saints kicker about kicking outdoors this weekend. And then Jeremy Davenport takes us into the New Orleans music scene just a little bit and how it ties into football and basketball, too. He'll be on this show as well. Hope you enjoy it. This is what we enjoyed from the past week. And, of course, uh, we'll get set for a new uh, docket on Monday. But to kick things off, let's talk LSU football. And with that, we'll go back to Tuesday's show, where Les East stopped by. How do we find you today, Les? Pretty good? Everything all right? Yeah, everything's going well, Sean. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Kind of like enjoying our uh, college football visits. We uh, we visited earlier with Todd Graffinini and checked in on the Tulane Green Wave, and now with you with LSU. And, and, and before I guess I get to the Tigers specifically, the word is that Sports Illustrated's article about Oklahoma State football is coming out today, or will hit newsstands today, and and in an indirect way, it does affect LSU because the uh, the article re- regarding Oklahoma State touches upon Les Miles' time in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Les, do you think there'll be any fallout from Miles from this article, if any, at this point? Well, there could be. It's really hard to tell at this point. Uh, SI is going to kind of uh, let this trickle out over the next few days, so we're not going to have a full picture immediately, but we do know generally that there are allegations that improper benefits uh, were given to Oklahoma State players. While Miles was the head coach there, Miles has uh, denied that there was any wrongdoing on his watch. So exactly what evidence uh, SI came up with and whether Miles or LSU will have any more specific response remains to be seen. But certainly this is just the beginning of it. And uh, there's going to be a perception issue that Miles and LSU are going to have to deal with uh, as far as what he may or may not have done while he was at Oklahoma State. So this is a a cloud that's gathering over Miles and LSU, and and I think it's going to continue to build before we have a, a real understanding of exactly what we're dealing with. 
Les, the, 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 the article, uh, you know, from what I guess what we're all gathering is that it's going gonna, it's gonna to alle- uh, allege rather academic fraud, uh, sex, drugs, recruiting violations, kind of run the gamut. Uh, I'm not going to say that all of it is true, but, you know, it, even if some of it is, it, do you think this is more spe- going to be specifically pointed Oklahoma State and Les Miles, or is this more rampant in college football and they just they found a way to uncover it at one place? You know, I, judging by the release that SI put out yesterday, it, it sounded as though they wanted to use Oklahoma State as sort of an example of some of the things that go on and in some cases almost have to go on for a, uh, a program such as Oklahoma State to rise as quickly as it did to be among the most powerful in the country. So I think they're trying to put it in a broader context of all of the bad things that, that go on in college football, using Oklahoma State as a specific example. I believe they've interviewed uh, 60 or so people uh, somehow connected to the program. So, you know, I, I don't think this is something that's going to be easily dismissed. And uh, it, it's an indictment, certainly, of the Oklahoma State program and a lot of the people who were there. But I think it's also intended to be a, uh, a look in at the, the seedier side of uh, NCAA football as a whole. Yeah, I'd say it's a, it's a lengthy and a, kind of a sordid conversation, to say the least. All right, let's move on to the current uh, Tigers at hand here who are now 2-0. and uh, Les, what storylines have stuck with the Tigers uh, through the first two weeks, and which new ones are emerging as we roll into week three? Well, you know, I think probably the first thing that, that comes to mind is that Zach Mettenberger and the passing game. I, I just think Mettenberger has been outstanding in, in both of these games. He set a school record Saturday with five touchdown passes against UAB, which is a, a little bit surprising that no LSU quarterback in the history of the school had thrown more than four in a game. Uh, but Mettenberger threw five the other night. He was 16 of 19. He's been decisive. He's been confident. He's been efficient uh, both games. Odell Beckham Jr. and uh, Jarvis Landry have both been outstanding. Beckham, of course, with that uh, highlight run on the the short field goal the other night uh, really had an impact. Uh, So I think that's the thing that jumps out the most. I I think there are a couple of things that are still a work in progress. I think uh, trying to incorporate the running game with that newfound uh, passing attack is something that, that they're trying to polish here before they get into SEC play next week and i think on uh, defense they're, they're playing an awful lot of young guys uh, a lot of true freshmen as well as some other guys who haven't seen the field a lot and you saw some growing pains in the second quarter when uab scored 17 points the other night so they're still trying to figure out uh, exactly which young players they can count on going forward and what the, what the roles are so i think uh, after this week's game against Kent State, when they're able to tinker with it a little more, I think when they play Auburn, uh, you'll, you'll see probably a little bit smaller rotation on defense and, and some more clearly defined roles. So they're, they're still figuring out exactly who they are on defense, but it looks like they're going to be very good once again. You know, UAB this past weekend, Kent State this weekend, and then you jump into the SEC. Les, with, with, with all the young faces you're talking about in that LSU program, it seems like the uh, – the, the, the changeover in the caliber of opponents is going to be severe. And would one have to worry at this point that the, I guess, the contrast is, is, is too, too different at this point as far as getting them ready? Well, 
Yeah, certainly they'll be stepping up in class when they go into SEC play, but that that's generally uh, inevitable once you get done with your pre-conference play. I, I think the schedule actually laid out pretty well. Once they got by that, that opener against TCU, which was more challenging than most teams have in their first game, then having the, the two uh, smaller programs to play in UAB and Kent State to kind of look at some young players and tinker with some things, I think came at a good time. I think Auburn at home is a good way to ease into SEC play. Uh, you know, Auburn was winless in the conference last year. I think we expect them to be better this year, but not a great team. Gus Malzahn's offense will be a, a challenge for the defense, a nice test, but it's not a game that I think they're in, in great danger of losing. And I think that kind of eases them into the, the, the big SEC matchups. And the first one they have would be the following week at Georgia. So I, I think it's sort of an incremental way of getting into the, the SEC schedule. So I, I think it lays out fairly well for them. Les, you mentioned some of the the known commodities about this team. Mettenberger, you know, we talked about the running backs a little bit, and, and you said t- and you said there was still some development that had to happen. You know, as fans watch the football game this weekend, certainly the scoreboard is going to be lopsided, and that's not going to be much fun to watch. But perhaps maybe watch something different. Is there a pres- is there a position group or facet that they should watch this weekend and take a real hard look at and find their entertainment in that? What would that be? Well, I think there are a couple of things. I think, one, that's not an unknown commodity, but I think you're going to see Jeremy Hill very quickly get back to being one of the focal points of the offense. So I would expect him to get the ball a lot more, and how that rotation among the running backs shakes out is something that's going to evolve very quickly now that Hill has been reinstated. But I think on defense, both the linebackers and the secondary are areas where they're looking at a lot of young people, uh, Tredavious White, a true freshman, got a lot of playing time against UAB in place of Jalen Collins. I think that's a spot they're looking at, the other cornerback spot opposite Jalen Mills. Uh, I was very surprised to see Rayshard Robinson on the field. He's a true freshman. He didn't get cleared by the NCAA academically till, uh after school had begun. He had maybe a week of practice before the UAB game, and he was out there, and he was very impressive. So those two young cornerbacks, I think, are worth keeping an eye on. And then the linebackers, they just have six or seven guys, and they run packages that use two, three, and four linebackers. So there are so many roles that the linebackers have to play in these different packages that uh, I think they're they're still trying to sort that out. I think Quan Alexander and Lamar Lewis are a couple of sophomores at linebacker who are being groomed for bigger roles. So it will be good to keep an eye on them and see just how they're utilized, particularly when they go to their, their Mustang package that only has two linebackers. We'll try and have Les East from the Advocate on as much as possible to talk about that favorite football team of yours up the river, the LSU Fighting Tigers. When we come back, we'll tackle things in Tampa with Ira Kaufman on this edition, the weekend edition of the Best of the Black and Blue Report. Don't want to miss out on any of the action? Get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus, get text messages with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelicans Mobile Alerts. Visit Pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus, sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. 
Join the conversation today. Hey, New Orleans Saints fans, show your true colors and get in the action with the all-new black and gold Saints scratch-off from the lottery. Win up to $100,000. Play all three seeds. You have to play to win. That's right. Enter your non-winning black and gold Saints tickets in our second chance drawings for a chance to win autographed Saints merchandise or one of four Saints game day prize packages. Next entry deadline is September 3rd. Pick up your black and gold Saints scratch-off from the lottery. Win up to $100,000. Must be at least 21 to purchase. Say that to say this. The new album from Trombone Shorty. Trombone Shorty is back with 11 explosive tracks on his highly anticipated new release. Say that to say this. This album delivers funk, R&B, rock, and soul that's sure to blow you away. Trombone Shorty delivers an incredible remake of the Meters classic, Be My Lady, with all music played by the original Funky Meters. What's up, New Orleans? This is Trombone Shorty. Check out my new record, Say That to Say This, produced by Raphael Sadiq and me in stores now. Does your boss know you're listening? If not, turn it up louder. This is the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back. I'm Sean Kelly. Well, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are obviously the uh, feast du jour for Sunday's uh, Saints uh, activities. And uh, we also like to check in with the writers from the opposing markets. We found a good one this week. Ira Kaufman from the Tampa Tribune had lots of good things to say about the weekend matchup, but also about off-the-field issues that Greg Schiano and the Tampa Bay Bucks are going through. He was our guest on Friday. We're expecting, a, a, a we hope, a, a decent football game on Sunday. I, surely it'll be a fun one to cover, you'd think, in the division, right? Absolutely. And uh, you, you know what? I, I think the game is going to sell out, which is a big deal in Tampa, Sean. Uh, the blackout's going to be lifted. Um, now, we've had 19 of the last 23 home games blacked out in Tampa. I mean, that's no way to market your, your franchise. Uh, but there's enough interest uh, in the Saints, Drew Brees, and company. Uh, and I think uh, I think they're going to sell this game out. Is there interest in in now Greg Schiano in his second year and an upgraded defensive secondary and and whatnot? Do do Buccaneers fans does the market feel like this team is on its way back up again? Is that helping? <laughs> well, I got to tell you, Sean. Uh, a month or two ago, I would have said this this sounds primed for for a Buccaneers season. Uh, there's a lot of talent on this team. There's eight Pro Bowlers, uh, including Carl Nix who Saints fans know very well. Um, you know, there's players here. Uh, but in the preseason, they looked awful. Uh, very vanilla, very bland. Uh, of course, uh, a lot of us thought they were just playing possum, and Greg Schiano didn't care about the preseason, just didn't want to get anybody hurt, uh, which they accomplished. They emerged pretty healthy. Then they go up to play one of the worst teams in the league with the Jets, and they play just as, as sloppily as they played in the preseason. Uh now you've got this Josh Freeman uh, controversy twirling. It's not going away. Uh, if anybody in this league needs a big game on Sunday, it's Josh Freeman, my man. Let's talk about the Freeman thing for a moment. Here's a guy who's nine games under five hundred as the starting quarterback for the Buccaneers. This week you break a story uh, in the Tampa Tribune about Freeman missing the, the annual team photo, and the timing of it is just days before the vote to decide upon captains uh, for the team, uh, a job that Freeman had in previous seasons. Now he's not. What? What? Give us, give us the impetus for this for this story, Ira, and 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 really, what does it all mean in the grand scheme of the Shiano Freeman Bucks relationship? Well, uh, t- talking to different people uh, emerges a portrait 
uh, of an unreliable Josh Freeman. And I don't just mean on the field uh, where he faded in December and, and the Bucks lost five of their last six games. Uh, and Freeman had, had two straight games of four interceptions. Uh, one of them was in New Orleans, uh, which was a complete debacle. Uh, it goes beyond that. It, now we're talking about his attitude. How much does this kid want to be here? Uh, some people say, oh, he missed a team photo, not a big deal. Well, you know what? Uh, given the surroundings and the circumstances, it, it is a big deal. Uh, then the votes for team captain, you've you got to think those two stories are linked. He had been team captain since 2010. He, he gets it taken away. Of course, Shiano says all the right things. Uh, you know, well, he's still a leader and this and that. But you know what? Uh, when, when you when you see his ripped from your uniform, it, it means something, especially if you're a quarterback. So, you know, from a Saint perspective, uh, <laughs> they couldn't have picked a better time uh, to, to face the Bucks. Uh, the fans are very nervous. They will turn on Freeman uh, on a dime on Sunday uh, if they get off to a bad start. Uh, if Vaccaro or Jenkins. Uh, start starts picking off some balls. This thing's going to get very ugly uh, on Sunday. I see the Saints are only three-point favorite, my man. Um, so I guess people think the Bucks are going to bounce back a little bit. But uh, Drew Brees has a lot of success against this Buck team. Uh, and if they're going to do anything to slow down Brees and keep him on the sidelines, Freeman's got to start completing some passes. Let me, let me play devil's advocate for you for a moment, though, Ira. Drew Brees has also never faced a Buccaneers secondary that now features Golson and Revis. It's a little different this year. I, I agree. There's an intimidation factor back there, by the way, with the safeties. Uh, Golson and, and, and Mark Barron are hard hitters. Uh, Colston uh, and Graham will, will pay a price for crossing the middle. Uh, the flip side of that is they also got flagged for personal fouls against the, the Jets. Uh, Revis was brought here my man, to, for games like this, uh, you know, the Jets didn't have a standout number one receiver for Revis to lock down. And I expect him to be on Colston. Uh, Revis looked very, very good uh, against the Jets. He looks 100%, uh, and when he is 100%, and I think you'd agree, he, he's about the best corner cover I've seen since Deion Sanders. He's that good. Uh, the gap between Revis and the next guy, whoever it is, uh, is substantial. Uh, so you're right. That, that is a new wrinkle for the Bucks. Gerald McCoy uh, up front is, is a load to handle. Uh, a lot of people think he's better than the Dominican Sue right now. He was picked uh, right behind Sue in that draft. So, you know, the Bucks have some talent. Levante David, I felt bad for this kid last week. He made that bonehead play, basically cost him the game against the Jets. Personal foul, hit Geno Smith going out of bounds. Uh, up until then, he, he was one of the stars of the game. He's a second-year linebacker playing Derek Brooks' old spot, and that was a tough cleats to fill, my man. But Derek Brooks himself thinks this kid is going to be sensational. So keep keep your eye out on him, too. So this talent on this Buck defense, they can't possibly be as bad uh, in past defense as they were last year. Uh, but, you know, they're in disarray right now. And Drew Brees is the kind of guy that makes you pay for that. Ira Kaufman of the Tampa Tribune, our guest here on the Black and Blue Report. So let me wrap up by asking you this, Ira. Is this game on Sunday at 4 o'clock Eastern time like the 35-28 win for the Saints last year where Malcolm Jenkins saved the day, or is it like the 41 nothing dumpster fire that the Buccaneers <laughs> suffered uh, in December at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome? Which one is it? I, I think there's enough pride uh, on the Buck side of the ball uh, that they won't let it get out of hand like that New Orleans game. I mean, that's one of the worst we've seen in recent. That game was over after about a quarter. Uh, you don't see that in the NFL very often. 
Uh, I think it'll be a little, a little bit of a shootout. Uh, Doug Martin uh, was completely shackled by the Jets last week. He, he's the engine that, that drives the, uh, the Buck offense, that running back. He had 1,900 yards from scrimmage last year as a rookie. So I think the Bucks will hang for a while, uh, but there's going to be um, a turnover uh, that, that puts the Saints in command. Uh, and then I think New Orleans has just enough defense, like they showed last week. Uh, the Saints defense uh, is going to surprise some people. Uh, I think New Orleans holds on for maybe a 10-point win. Coming up next, Saints kicker Thomas Morstead on the best of the Black and Blue Report. This is Todd Graves, founder of Raisin Cane's Chicken Fingers. Being the official chicken of the New Orleans Saints, we're more than just fans of the Saints. We're fans of Saints fans. So on game day, we make sure they're reloaded with tailgates of our fresh chicken fingers and jugs of lemonade and sweet tea. The best chicken fingers around, we got this. Raisin Cane's Chicken Fingers. The official chicken of your New Orleans Saints. What makes Auctioner Primary Care such a great choice? Is it because we have 38 health centers throughout the region, some with evening and weekend hours available? Or because we accept close to 50 different insurance plans? Could it be because we offer My Auctioner, which gives you and your family secure online access to your health records, test results, prescription renewals, even emails with your doctor? Or that you'll be connected to seven hospitals with 2,500 affiliated physicians who can handle everything from the common to the complex, so you'll never have to wonder if you made the right choice? Actually, what you may like the most is... Yes, we have a location near you. Expertise and convenience. Great reasons to choose an Auctioner primary care physician. To find one near you, visit auctioner.org or call 1-866-AUCTIONER. That's O-C-H-S-N-E-R. Auctioner. Healthcare with peace of mind. Bud Light presents NFL Fan Dilemmas. Should I put these Bud Lights on your tab? Just supposed to get this round. Whoa, interception! But on my rounds, we play better. It's good luck when I buy Jeff's beers. But I don't want to buy Jeff's beers. He wouldn't even give me gum the other day. What a shocking turn of events. Absolutely everything going right. Yep, my tab. It's only weird if it doesn't work. Bud Light. For the NFL fans who do whatever it takes. Here we go. Enjoy responsibly. Anheuser-Busch Bud Light Beer, St. Louis, Missouri. Taking a break from Mayor Landry's pothole repair crew. Once again, here's Sean Kelly. Thomas Morstead got off to a great start last weekend against the Atlanta Falcons. Played several punts inside the 20, one inside the 10, and also kicked the ball quite clear of the end zone on each of his kickoffs in the win over the Atlanta Falcons. This week, Morstead heads outside to kick for the first time this season. He'll be at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, and that brings a unique set of challenges for the heavy foot of number six. Congratulations. It seemed like you had a nice debut last week. Did you feel good about what you were able to do? Yeah, it was a good first game. Um, you know, there's little things I'd like to have done better, but um, results-wise, it was a pretty good game. The, the punting itself, I thought, and you had several chances to, to do what you wanted to do there. Were you, were you pleased with at least being able to keep that ball inside the 20, or were you looking for a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, the the one short punt we had, we I think we downed it at the 8, mm-hmm. so we're, our goal is always if we can get it inside the 10, that's awesome. Um, the other two punts were field punts, so I just let them rip and uh, 
put them in the corner so the guys could have a good chance to cover, and we did a good job. You know, I talked to uh, to Lance earlier and a couple of the other veterans when they when they talk about week one and just just almost the routine of the week, the week, the rhythm of the week. Even even after a number of years in the league, they still have to make that adjustment. And they were commenting on how much easier, and more comfortable week two is. Just from week one to week two, as far as your routine goes, is that. Does that seem to agree with you as well? Yes. Um, you know, I don't know what all entails those other positions, but um, as far as kicking goes, um, I'm so ready to be done with training camp and get into my weekly routine. Uh, you can set your watch on Mondays to where I'm going to be at certain points, whether it's the weight room or the ice tub or different things like that. Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, every day is, uh, has its own routine, so... Um, Kind of got that set in stone pretty good, and um, just glad to be back on that routine. So much of my background is in baseball, so I'm very familiar with pitchers and pitch counts and throwing side sessions and bullpens and all that. Do kickers have a somewhat similar count or uh, rotation to their work? Well, two things on that. Number one, I never played baseball, okay. so I don't know how to compare it to that. Yeah, fair. But uh, number two, I, w- I would say um, because I kick off and punt, mm-hmm. it's a little bit different. So I'm not concerned with how much volume I get day-to-day, like whether I kick 10 kicks or if I kick 60 kicks. Um, I'm more concerned with how many days off I have between whenever I last practice and when the game is. Uh, the more time I have off to recover, the better I feel on Sundays. So I kind of, I guess, treat myself more like a starting pitcher rather than a, rather than a relieving pitcher. Uh, That's fair. Not bad for a guy who never played baseball. Yeah. yeah. You know? Um, the difference between kicking here at home inside the Mercedes-Benz Superdome and what you'll face starting this week on the road outside, uh, is, it as, is it as obvious as it seems, or is, it, is there more to it? Uh, it's just different. Um, it's different kicking in Tampa than it is kicking in Chicago. You know, So every outdoor stadium has a different – sometimes it's windy, sometimes it's hot, sometimes it's cold. Uh, typically we've done really well in Tampa – uh, even better than what we would do in, indoors because it's nice and warm, so the ball travels a little further. So I, I look forward to that. It's interesting. I, I know these must seem silly to you, but I, I'm curious. You know, you were talking about that situation there, weather and, and atmosphere. Does it have more effect on the kicker or the ball that's being kicked? Well, I would say it would have more to do with positionally kicker and punter is different. So I have to handle the ball punting. So. Uh, that makes a difference. Um, so I, I would rather play, even if it's outdoors, I'd rather play at an artificial turf stadium, uh, whereas Garrett mm-hmm. uh, would be a little bit different, you know, for kicking field goals. So I don't know. There's a whole bunch of different ins and outs to it. All right, last silly question from me. <laughs> when you're playing outside, um, you routinely indoors can kick it out the back of the end zone. Has you, have you found that there's a wind speed or a volume of wind coming at you that would – that seems to be your nemesis that prevents you from accomplishing that goal? Uh, I don't know what particular number that would be, yeah. um, but I'm still trying to kick it as high or as far as I can. So regardless of what, what that wind is, it doesn't really f- change what I'm trying to do. So I still am hitting the same ball every time, and whatever happens once it leaves my foot is out of my control. So, Well, again, thanks to Thomas Morstead, who was our guest on Thursday's edition of the Black and Blue Report. Up next, we'll wrap up the best of the Black and Blue Report from this week with horn man Jeremy Davenport after this. Hey there, what you having? Um, what kind of-
kind of specials do you have today? Well, tonight we're doing $2 benzene and tonics, $4 lemon arsenics, and $5 beryllium bombs. Wait, what? Those don't sound like drinks. They sound like types of poison. Well, it's a fine line. Besides, this is a smoky bar. What do you think we're all breathing in right now? Uh, I don't know. Nicotine? Listen, I'm gonna hook you up. You're not really living until you've had a formaldehyde martini. Yeah, I'm going home. Secondhand smoke does more than just stink. It costs Louisiana thousands of lives and contains dozens of harmful chemicals that lead to things like emphysema, heart disease, and lung cancer. Learn what's being done to protect all Louisianans in bars and gaming facilities at letsbetotallyclear.org. Hey, New Orleans Saints fans, show your true colors and get in the action with the all-new black and gold Saints scratch-off from the lottery. Win up to $100,000. Play all three seeds. You have to play to win. That's right. Enter your non-winning black and gold Saints tickets in our second chance drawings for a chance to win autographed Saints merchandise or one of four Saints game day prize packages. Next entry deadline is September 3rd. Pick up your black and gold Saints scratch-off from the lottery. Win up to $100,000. Must be at least 21 to purchase. The offseason for your New Orleans Pelicans has been exciting with all-star Drew Holiday and former Rookie of the Year Tyreek Evans being added to a lineup headlined by Anthony Davis and Ryan Anderson. Now, with the release of half-season and 12-game plans at varying price levels, there truly is a ticket plan for every fan. Packages start as low as $13 per game and feature the best seat locations to see all-star opponents, including the world champion Miami Heat. Visit pelicans.com or call 525-HOOP to get your seats today. Get geared up for the big game and wear what the team wears. Visit the Saints team store at Gate B on the plaza level of the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Well, certainly music is as much a part of our culture as is football and food in New Orleans. And a part of that music scene on almost a nightly basis over at the Davenport Lounge is Jeremy Davenport, a fan of the standards and of the Saints and the Pelicans too. You see the impact of the Saints and the Pelicans on this market just even in your own lounge on a weekly basis. Oh, definitely. And, and you know, I didn't grow up in New Orleans. And growing up, um, and maybe not a lot of people know this, Sean and I grew up in St. Louis. But, but uh, you know, St. Louis was very much a base, is and was a baseball town. And so for me to move to a, to a, a football town and now a basketball and football town is thrilling. It's fun. You know, it's interesting. Trumbull and Shorty played the national anthem at the home opening of the night. You've played the national anthem at, at many games yeah. and whatnot. What is the... What is it or, or why is it the, the music and sports culture kind of intermingle so much? Well, you know, specifically um, regarding the National Anthem, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting because my dad is, is, is a retired musician. And one thing my dad always told me was really funny. My dad is a very kind of practical, old-fashioned kind of guy. Um, and, he, and he said, son, I remember he sat me down. I was really young. He said, son, don't ever mess with the anthem. He goes, it's a very, it's a very... Uh, uh, sacred, serious song, like, all in its own. You know, you don't you don't need to really get get too fancy with the anthem. And it's something I always hear in the back of my head anytime I perform it. And uh, um, and he and he he's a, actually a, a army veteran too, so he 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 it means even more to him. But um, but there yeah, there's always that connection with with uh, with with when you're playing the the, the anthem to our country in, in a big building, whether it's 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 the arena or the or the uh, dome. It's it's. I can't describe uh, the thrill. 
I mean, it's just it's it's just about as exciting as it gets, you know. So it's 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 great. Home is New Orleans for you now, as we mentioned. We're both yeah. from St. Louis, and home is here for me too. You know, it's interesting. Um, we travel all over the country with these with these sports teams, mm-hmm. and you travel the country as you as you musician. The the whole life on tour thing. Um, do you think that people really kind of get a hold of what that's all about? Now, we were talking earlier about you know spending. Uh, it's the hours on the bus in the in the in the. Um, you know, searching for a clean pair of underwear. Um, and, yeah, it, it's, it's not – I spent a lot of years on, on a, you know, planes, trains, and automobiles. And um, actually being in New Orleans um, full-time now at, at the Ritz-Carlton, at the Davenport Lounge, was my, was my secret science experiment to getting off the road. <laughs> I just couldn't take it anymore. And uh, although now I'm pining to kind of maybe get back out, do some more road, road work. Um, it's grueling, and I don't know how the basketball guys do it. You know, I see, I, I, it's just, it's, it's such, a, it's such a, it's such a, a, a tough life, and, 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 and quite frankly, I don't know how you do it. So, <laughs> sick in the head, probably. Um, you know, part of the reason why I like to have so many, even just non-sports figures on this program, is I want to ask them about how they view sports and what they do with regard to their Saints game days and Pelicans and all that. Um, I know you're you're a, a creature of the night, yeah. um, but on weekends and whatnot, do you do you settle in for any particular game, or is there a, a Saints thing that you like to do with regard to the fall? It's, it depends. You know, it's it's like this past uh, the Saints for the Saints opener. It's like I was so excited about it that that it's like I didn't want to watch any of the pregame stuff. Like I left. It was it was you know I knew I wasn't going to go to the game. I, I knew I wanted to watch it on TV. And it, again, talk about making making you say you're crazy. I knew I wanted to watch it alone, man. I didn't want to, yeah, I wanted to be alone. I wanted to watch it by myself, and I wanted to, um, and, and I, didn't want it, I didn't want to hear any of the pregame stuff, and I didn't want to, I just wanted to, and so, boom, I sat down. I went on a walk. To, I went and walked along the river in the French Quarter and then timed it so I got back home right at noon, and boom, sat down and watched the game, and, and so I'm not sure what I'm going to do for the next one, but for the first one, <laughs> I, I just, I was that uh, excited about the, about the season opener, you know. It's funny. I think that you could almost describe New Orleans in three words now. Football, music, food. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and and, and uh, it's, it's, to, to live in this kind of city, it's, it's a thrill. And it's, it just seems like, uh, you know, for a city uh, this size to have two world-class teams like that, it's, 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 a, it's exciting. And, and, and the other thing that's really cool um, living downtown, I can walk to to both venues. You know, I don't have to get in a taxi or get in the car and go go see sports. Sports, it's 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 thrilling. Yeah, you're right. There are some cities where they got to go like take buses and oh, yeah. everything out to these oh, yeah, other yeah. stadiums. Yeah. Um, hey, before I let you go, anything new you're working on that you're willing to share about? Yeah, I'm working on a, a new CD um, for Basin Street Records, and if I don't get something out soon, he's gonna Mark Samuels at Basin Street Records is gonna come looking for me. So yeah, I'm definitely uh, working on that now, and I'll have something out shortly. Good to see you, my friend. Yeah, good to see you, too. Thank you, man. Well, that's a wrap, as they say, on this edition of the best of the Black and Blue Report, and that means it's also a wrap on this week's program. Stay tuned for Monday's show. Coming up at noon central on Monday, we'll get you going and wrap up Sunday's Saints game against the Buccaneers. We'll also preview Monday Night Football and get you right back into basketball next week as well. I'll see you then on Monday right here on the Black and Blue Report. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back next week. Tune in each weekday at 1 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com.
Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.